Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 282 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a great conversation with film and theater producer Brian Long. And we talked to Brian about the difference between actors and musicians, about some of the folks he has worked with in several great productions in New York City, those folks, some of them being Jesse Eisenberg, Vanessa Redgrave, Karen Allen, to name but a few. We talk about the essence of art and about starting a theater company and connecting to the beauty of the work. Great conversation with Brian Long. We also have an EWSA titled Life I Am Living. And the final part of the three-part Summer Fantasia series written and read by our associate producer and resident essayist, Dr. Michael Pavis. This one is titled Mike Pence Joins the Navy. And we have a poem called With You. This, of course, will be infused with the energy of several great tunes. Let's get to it. Episode 282 of Troubadours and Tours. Ha 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 
Life I am living. On a recent afternoon, I saw a skinny man sitting on a bench at a bus stop, somewhat sheltered from the summer sun and city street smog, as I sat in my minivan twenty feet or so away, waiting for the street light to change colors. He was drawing hard on a tobacco cigarette, holding it with his two fingers and thumb, breathing white plumes of smoke through his nostrils toward his lap, but then wafting rather quickly into the ambient atmosphere of an urban neighborhood where I watched green leaves, densely populated, flutter, swaying in the warm breeze. And I thought of the ocean hundreds, maybe thousands of miles away, causing such a poetic, vibrant effect. Then, at that very moment, and now too, I suppose, in my recollection and telling of this natural tale, I wonder why I pulled over and parked my van to write about this sense of time, space, and place. I guess I must be enchanted in love and feeling this life I am living. I am here still, sad, elated, belated, mad, immaculately stayed, with feelings of being betrayed, and so easily, too, this sense of calm can, it seems, be frayed and come undone, though I know all is just as it is, might be, can be, will be. These sentiments, the root of this perplexed semblance of, of what I might call happy.
Brian Long speaking. Hello, Brian Long. This is E.W. Conundrum from Troubadours and Rock On Tours. How are you? I'm good, E.W. How you doing? Good, thank you. I'm so happy you're on the program. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to share with the listeners a little background information, if you don't mind. Sure. All right, let's get to it then. Brian Long is a film and theater producer, as well as an artist manager. His films include... A Tree, A Rock, A Cloud, directed by Karen Allen, Brown Fish, directed by Troy Deutsch, and the upcoming films, My Name Is, 19 Daniel Highway, and Hamlet in Bed. Brian served for nine years as the managing director of Rattlestick Playwrights Theater, an Obie Award-winning producer of off-Broadway plays. During his tenure, Rattlestick produced over 40 world premieres by some of our nation's most important playwrights including Annie Baker, Sam Hunter, Jesse Eisenberg, Jose Rivera, Adam Rapp, Craig Lucas, and many others. Brian is the founder and artist, artistic director of the Pocono Mountains Theater Company. So nice to have you on the program. Thank you, E.W. Great to be here. So uh, let's, let's get right into it. I'm wondering how you got into theater. How did you end up in theater, of all things? Well, um, I moved to New York as a 22-year-old in 1990, and um, for that decade of the 90s and into the early 2000s, I was uh, in the music business, primarily managing uh, rock bands and doing consulting for record labels, things along those lines. And uh, as I started to, to make enough money to not just pay my bills, but to do uh, you know, some extracurricular things beyond that, uh, I started to go to theater. It was not something that I uh, had had any experience with. Uh, nothing. You know, I grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. There wasn't uh, you know much theater going on there. It's nothing I really. Uh, it wasn't something that I had much knowledge of. But you know, I'm in New York, and one of the things you do when you have some money is you go out and see a play. So I think the first play I went to was in 2000, 
Uh, it was a play called True West by Sam Shepard, and it had uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and John C. Riley in it. Wow. And I was just blown away. I was hooked. Literally from the first show I saw, I was hooked. So I just started to, when I was in town, you know, if I wasn't on tour or wasn't out at a club with a band, uh, you know, I started going and seeing plays. Um, and the more that I saw, the more uh, I, I, I appreciated it. You know, the idea of live performance um, is, has always been attractive to me. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, experiencing art through live performance is, is, is wonderful. So um, I just started to see see everything in the city. I got familiar with all the uh, the local not-for-profit producers, uh, as well as most of the commercial stuff that was going on. And from about 2000 to about 2007, um, I just was out seeing theater all the time. And as the, uh, the music business started to change, uh, and it became more and more difficult to kind of manage artists and, and, and make money doing that, uh, I started to look at theaters being kind of the next uh, career for me. Um, so in 2007, uh, I, I took a job as the managing director at Rattlestick Playwrights Theater, uh, and had been there uh, from 2007 to 2015, just so recently. Yeah, that's a very prominent, uh, as you mentioned in the in the uh, bio part of our program, a very prominent theater in New York City. Uh, and that must have been exciting to, to land that gig. It was. Um, when I first went, went in, uh, you know, David Vanasov, who was the artistic director there, had been running, he had started the company... Uh, 15 years prior to me going in there. And what he had done in those 15 years uh, was develop a relationship in the artistic community with, with writers, directors, and actors of doing some really interesting things. Um, but even with that credibility in the artist community, what he wasn't really doing at that point was generating uh, big audiences. So when I, came in, when I came in 2007, my goal was to build audiences for, for, for him and, and the productions. So uh, from 2007 to about 2010, my first three years there, uh, we went from a company that was doing two productions a year, maybe three productions a year, uh, with, um, with total income of about $400,000 to the million-dollar mark. Um, and that was just you know, focusing on getting audiences in. And that was, you know, once you got people in and they saw the work we were doing, you, know, you would have them back. They would come back over and over and over again. It was just a matter of introducing them to the theater, getting them in there, seeing a play. Uh, because once we got them in there, you know, they were, you know, we we were going to get them back. Uh, and then from 2010 to 2015, we really blew up. We we started to do work not just in uh, Rattlestick Playwrights Theater, which was a 99 seat theater uh, in the West Village, but then we expanded uh, at, into the Cherry Lane, uh, one of the most historic uh, off Broadway venues in the city. Uh, and we started producing um, at least one or two plays there a year um, in their 180-seat theater um, and had a lot of success there as well. So, uh, you know, from the time I walked in, like I said, three three shows a year, $200,000 a year, $400,000 a year, somewhere in that range. Uh, and then by the time we got to about 2015, which was my last year there, that we were right around $2 million and we were doing like 11, 12 shows a year. So uh, it, was a, it was a great period of growth, and it all really started with the fact that the artistic community uh, believed in us, liked what we were doing, kept bringing things back, and then we were able to develop the audiences and, and foundations, and, and, and donors started to, to see what was going on. 
and we were able to really up our game and just do a number of, of, of new plays every year. Well, with all this experiencing, uh, experience managing uh, bands and, and theaters, artists of, of uh, a few different sorts, I suppose, although I'm, I'm sure there's a crossover in some ways, what, what is, is there a major difference in, in your experience with uh, musicians as compared to theater people? Hmm. Is there a difference between musicians and, and the theater people? Yeah, and the way that they um, are artists, and their you know, do you find any trends or tendencies that you could you could pinpoint in in the, you know the personalities or the the approach to to art, uh, wherever you'd like to take it? Yeah, I think you know, I think where the commonalities were that might be the easiest thing. The commonalities uh, in terms of whoever was was ultimately being successful over a long period of time where those artists, whether that was the musicians or the playwrights or the actors, the, the, the artists that were able to connect to the work, to really connect to it, feel the emotion of it, feel the truth of it, and then be able to bring that truth out in their performance, whether that was recording a record or, uh, or it was playing a live uh, a concert or when it came to theater, whether you know was writing the play, uh, or getting on stage each night and acting out the play, the ones that were ultimately the people I've worked with that have, have been ultimately successful, just it just feels like they understood the truth of the work, connected to it on all the emotional levels that they needed to, and were able to deliver that performance. Uh, that seemed to be the commonality among them. Um, I guess the difference is. Uh, <laughs> with the theater community, there is something really impressive about uh, uh, promptness and commitment. <laughs> like I'm just trying to think if I, you know, over like over like the ten, you know, now I've been producing theater. I guess now we're talking about thirteen, fourteen years. But actors don't miss rehearsals. They don't miss performances. They're if they're sick, they work through it. Uh, just <laughs> the, the 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 just the everyday commitment to their work. Uh, has been astounding. It's been crazy. Like you figure, I've how many? You know, I've done what probably about seventy shows. You do about forty shows each time. You just, I'm, I've done maybe three thousand performances. Can't think of once where an actor didn't show up uh, because they were late or because they were ill or they, you know, they just aren't there. They're so reliable. Whereas from time to time, rock bands. I don't know. I know. Not I, quite as reliable. That's why I'm laughing because I've dealt with a lot of artists and, and things that I've done, and you know, I, I love them all. You know, the, all the folks that I've worked with. But yeah, it's it's a stereotype that oh, musicians they'll be you know they they might keep you waiting or forget a forget an appointment, and you know, I think it's a justified stereotype to a certain point. Uh, but uh, anyhow, now some some of the. Um, some of the the folks that you've worked with, uh, in your mentioning those that that commonality, where when you really can get in touch and, and communicate the, I guess the verve, the essence of of, of the 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 art that uh, your an artist is is trying to trying to um, I don't know uh, get out into the ether. What do you have any any people or any productions that come to mind that accomplish that to to a, an impressive extent? Oh man, uh, yeah. The, I mean, uh, lots of them. Uh, let me just think of um, 
let me think of a good example. Um, you know, maybe maybe I'll use an example that, that, that a lot of people might be able to relate to because this is an actor they would know. Um, uh, I got to I had a fortunate pleasure to work with Vanessa Redgrave um, in a in a production at the Cherry Lane that we did in 2012 called The Revisionist. Um, it was a play that was written by Jesse Eisenberg. We had produced his first play uh, a year and a half before that. And now we were producing his second play. Uh, and with his early work, you know, he really wanted to be, you know, there was always a role for him in there, I think. Uh, and he preferred to be in his plays. So he was already cast and he had always uh, had this uh, fascination of working with Vanessa Redgrave. It was someone he had always been impressed by. Um, and we got the script to her. Uh, and uh, the script really resonated with her. And she played uh, a Holocaust survivor uh, who was living in Poland, uh, was pretty isolated. And um, Jesse's character was, was, a, was a writer in New York, and he was having some writer's block, and he felt like he was going to go visit this distant aunt in Poland uh, as a way to kind of clean the slate for him and get back in touch with, what, with his writing. Um, so Vanessa reads this script, loves it, commits to doing the play, um, again, in a 200-seat theater in, in, you know, off-Broadway in New York, which at that point she was doing mostly Broadway or, you know, big West End shows or big films. So for her to, uh, to do this play, not that it was a step down, it, it wasn't, but, but, you know, this is a much smaller production than she's used to dealing with. But she connected with the play, wanted to do it, and then every day in rehearsal, uh, you know, I got to see her work and she worked so hard. Uh, you know, she would watch videos at night about Holocaust survivors to kind of get in touch with what that's like. Uh, every night we did the show, she would be there four hours early, four hours before curtain to prepare herself for that evening's performance. Um, you know, one of the things that she did, I thought it was so interesting was each night, uh, you know, about half hour before we opened the house, she would go down onto the set and just walk around the set uh, and just feel, you know, because the set was her, was her home. And she would just walk around and she would just open up cupboards and, and grab a spoon out and maybe uh, pour some, some, some water, make some tea, uh, and just really started to, like, live in that space as if it was her home. And her ability to connect with that character and that story and all the work that she put into it, and it turned out to be, you know, the result is just this unbelievable performance. It's just, you, you watch her and you cannot take your eyes off her and your jaw just drops watching her every night. It was really, really, really amazing. And that's kind of the commonality with, with really great artists. They just know how to figure out a way to connect to a character or connect to a song or connect to a story that tells us truth. Well said. Well said, Brian Long. Thank you so much for that. That was beautiful. Uh, now, I know you work in film as well. And you have a few films uh, in, in your, uh, on your CV already uh, that you've, you've put out there. And uh, you have some more coming up. How, how is that as, as, a, as a genre? Well, producing film is um, it's actually quite similar to theater uh, and quite not similar to theater. Uh, I guess the common ground there is, 
you know, you have to build an artistic team. You have to raise the money to put up the production and you have to then prepare for it. You know, you have to rehearse in, in theater. You're rehearsing and, and develop and designing the sets and the lights and the costumes and, and the sound, uh, working on the script. You know, same thing with film. You know, the pre-production is a little different. It's finding locations. It's hiring the crew and finding your cast and all of that. Uh, and then, you know, in film you shoot and in theater you perform. Um, so there's a lot of uh, similar similarities between the two. But with film, I find that to be a much longer process. It's a much bigger process because uh, as opposed to theater, when, when you're performing night after night, uh, with film, you know, when you're shooting, shooting night after night, eventually when you're done, then you have to go through this post-production process and then, you know, a film festival circuit process and then distribution. And those are things you do not deal with in theater. So, uh, you know, getting into film, I think the biggest adjustment was that the process from, from script to performance, uh, is, is relatively similar. But once performance is done for theater, you know, a, the, uh, a theater production, you know, you still have plenty of, of steps left with the film. Uh, so it's a much longer process. It's a longer commitment. Uh, with film, uh, you know, the budgets are usually bigger. Um, I know at Rattlestick, uh, basically, we were around 125000 to $150,000 per production. Uh, but with films, you know, you're talking about, you know, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars kind of at minimum if you're doing a feature film uh you know so you're dealing with at least three or four times the the, the amount of money to make a film as opposed to putting up a, a a show uh on stage um but i i enjoy that process you know i i i'm trying to not take all take on too many things uh so i've just done a few films uh the first one was a, a film that i did with karen allen um who was someone that I worked with in theater. I, I worked with her as an actor uh, and then as a theater director. Um, and one of the things, I mean, she's an extremely uh, um, successful and accredited uh, actor. I mean, people would know her from mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark, playing Marion Ravenwood or uh, Starman uh, opposite uh, Jeff Bridges or Scrooge opposite Bill Murray. I mean, she, uh, The Sandlot, there's so many films she was in. The one thing she had not done that she was interested in doing was directing a film. Um, so her and I got together. Uh, she picked A Trio Rock a Cloud as the story she wanted to tell. Uh, and that was my first film production. Uh, so I learned quite a bit on that, you know, on, uh, on that film. Um, but that was a great way to start because she was, she was a sure-handed director. Uh, and um, it was great watching her. It was, it was uh, not easy, but it was easier going through the production process with her at the helm. Uh, and I learned a lot from that and, and you know, I've now gone on to do uh, two more films which have been completed. Um, and I have uh, at least two more coming up. The next one's in October, a film that is called uh, 19 Daniel Highway. Uh, it'll feature David Zayas and Judy Reyes and Florence Lozano as the, uh, the main characters there. Uh, and then in 2019, um, I'll be doing Hamlet in Bed. Um, and uh, hopefully a film that we'll be able to produce here in Pennsylvania, uh, a film by Sarah Schwab called The Violinist. Uh, we're very much interested in doing that um, in the area, you know, and hiring a lot of local people, not just 
as crew for the for the film, but but also you know actors in in some of the peripheral roles. Uh, so that's an exciting thing that, that I kind of have on the plate uh, when it comes to the film producing in 2019. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Well, you mentioned, that's exciting stuff, you, you mentioned uh, the local area. Uh, you know, uh, we, we broadcast Troubadours and Tours all over the world, but you and I live basically in the same, same area. We've never physically met. One of these days I hope to cross paths with you. But it's northeastern Pennsylvania, and uh, you are the founder and artistic director of the Pocono Mountains Theater Company, uh, and that's relatively new, I think, 2016. Tell us a little bit about that, the mission of it, and, and also if you could connect why you know art is so important to you in your mind with regard to community, with regard to society, and you know the you know the human experience, basically. Well, the, the theater company uh, came about, uh, I guess the, the, the brief background was, you know, I had been in New York for about 25, 26 years, um, and uh, I, uh, I had met a, a, a young woman who, uh, who was a writer uh, who I fell in love with, and, um, uh, you know, while we were, as we were living in New York, um, and you know how New York living is its small apartments and chaos craziness um, she's a writer, and one of the things that was becoming difficult was you know I'd be having meetings at the apartment all the time where that was reading a new play uh, and having like just a bunch of actors over reading the script or having just different business meetings there it It became um, uh, just, just so distracting that you know when she was really in the rhythm of writing a story and she kind of needed some isolation or solitude, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't to be had there in the apartment. So we found, uh, we, we started looking uh, outside of New York City for a place that was close to New York, but that would be isolated and kind of a writer retreat for her. Uh, and we ended up settling uh, on a, a place in um, Barrett Township uh, near Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. So, um, so I moved here uh, part-time, uh, around 2015. And as I got to meet people around the area, uh, they all knew what, you know, most of them knew what I did or found out what I did and had encouraged, had encouraged me to consider, uh, producing some work in the area. So I took that, that challenge seriously and, um, uh, did my homework, uh, kind of came up with the mission. Uh, and you know, I look at the mission as threefold, uh, a little different than what I would do in New York. Uh, but the mission is kind of threefold. It's still about developing artists and giving artists an opportunity uh, to do work. Um, but really, the, 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 the kind of the new mission for me and one that's very important for me at Pocono Mountain Theater Company is developing audiences. Uh, you know, in this area of Northeast Pennsylvania, um, there isn't a ton of theater, uh, and certainly there's not a lot of opportunities for people to see uh, what I would consider professional-level work. Um, so a big part of this mission is taking, you know, several years to start to really introduce people who wouldn't normally go to theater, uh, to encourage them to come see it because I know if they come and see it, they're going to like it and they're going to come again and again. So a big part of this mission for me is developing audiences, uh, who have not been exposed to theater, may have never gone to theater and introducing them to the medium, um, because it's, it's just, a, you know, for me, it was a, it's a fantastic experience. I mean, it's not just the entertainment you get from watching a, a great play, 
but there are usually things you pick up from it, some, some new idea, some new information. So it's entertaining and informative, and it creates debates afterwards with your friends that you've gone to see the show with. Um, just, I, you know, I really enjoy that format. Um, so, and then beyond the audience development mission, uh, you know, I do have a community mission as well, which is to, uh, to bring um, some cultural and, and financial uh, project. You know, let me rephrase that. You know, I want to bring in, in, in some theater that ultimately will, will help the community, meaning Northeast Pennsylvania, uh, both culturally and financially. So ultimately, if I achieve what I want to achieve, I'll be able to be doing work that people not just from the area can see, but people from outside the area, Philadelphia, New York, central Pennsylvania, will come in to see uh, creating tourism, creating some, some economic boost to the area, which you know, I, I feel like could really, could really use that. So you, you want to do that because you, you feel that is a sort of a, a service you could provide and, 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 uh, to, to the area, uh, and also maybe it's a means by which to justify uh, to potential donors to why they would support uh, such a venture. Is, is that sort of where you're coming from? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, uh, in just being in, in the northeast Pennsylvania uh, region for now, I guess we're going on a little over three years, uh, you know, I just, I, the town I, that I'm staying in is Canadensis. You know, there used to be a playhouse in Canadensis, or, or Mountain Home, I guess, which is the neighboring town. Uh, it was called the Pocono Playhouse. Um, and for decades and decades, uh, from, I guess, probably the 40s and 50s, all the way up through probably 2000, it was a, uh, a place that drew people from not just the community, but drew people from all around to come see the productions that were there. Uh, and that helped local restaurants and, and hotels and people who, who owned real estate and different shops. You know, there was always traffic. There was always people coming into town to see the shows. Uh, and it was really good for business in the local community. Uh, and then that, uh, that closed down uh, a little while back now. Uh, and now you, you kind of go through the town and literally there's less business. There's just less activity. There's less people coming into the area. Um, and art does that. If you create like a good institution that does good work, you know, people will come to see it. And we know one of the great benefits beyond just, you know, the artists getting to do their work and, and people getting to see the theater is the impact it can have uh, financially for the community. Um, you know, so I, I think that's a positive thing. Um, and this area, you know, could use, it could use some, some, some of those types of things. Uh, Cause uh, you know, I can tell that over the last 15 years, uh, business is leaving as opposed to business is coming. Excellent. That's a, that's a, a great way to look at things. Uh, it's a win-win-win for everyone, really. Uh, and l- let me, Brian, we're almost out of time. If, if you would, why don't you share some contact information where people could check out what's going on at the Pocono Mountains Theater Company or, and or with any other project or venture you're involved with? Well, the easiest way uh, is to to go to the website for the theater company. It's Pocono Mountains Theater with an E-R uh, at the end, not R-E. Uh, Pocono Mountains Theater Company dot org. Um, and my contact information is, is on that website somewhere, I guess probably in the, the staff section. Um, 
So that's the easiest way to find out what we're doing and to contact me if you'd like, whether that's regarding the theater or, or the film projects I'm working on. Um, you know, what we've got coming up next for, for the Public Mountain Theater Company is uh, we're continuing to do per- performances of the Amish Project, uh, which we did in May uh, all over the Northeast. We were in Wilkes-Barre, we were in Scranton, we were in Allentown, we were in Bethlehem, we were in Stroudsburg. Honesdale, Milford, we were performed that everywhere. And now we've got a, another uh, series of dates at the Shawnee Playhouse uh, in late August. I think the dates are the 22nd, 23rd, and 29th. And then we'll be back out again in October with a new show that, again, we're going to take all over. Uh, we'll do productions in the Lehigh Valley, uh, again, in Stroudsburg area, um, and uh, up north to Scranton and Milford and Honesdale. The play that we're going to do is called A Number. It's a Carol Churchill play. I've uh, been a fan of that play for a long, long time. Uh, it's a two-hander, and we'll be doing it uh, at local businesses uh, and restaurants. Uh, for example, uh, in Allentown, we, we, we perform at Brew Works. Uh, and in Bethlehem, we perform at the Red Stag. Um, Stroudsburg, we use uh, two different places. We use the Sarah Street uh, Bar, and we use Shimsa uh, as our performance venues. So it's, it's great because we get to take the show into places where people can go out, have some food, have dinner, see the show, and then have a beer with us afterwards uh, to talk about the show and meet, meet, you know, meet me and the, and the actors that are involved. Um, so that's what's coming up there. Um, and uh, I appreciate you having me on the show today. I really appreciate the chance to get and talk about it and, and uh, spread the word. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's very exciting and, and inspiring to hear what you're doing. Uh, I know our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, has checked out some of what you've done. He's very impressed. That's why he asked you asked if you would uh, take some time out to be on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, and I'm, I'm so happy that you you uh, chose to. And I look forward to coming out and seeing some of what you're doing myself very soon. Uh, as as we usually do at the end of a conversation, for those listening, some of the uh, aspirant artists of all type, musicians, uh, actors, any 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 kind of insight you'd like to share? Oh, um, to the artist community. Um, yeah, you know what? I guess there is something I could share there. Um, being an artist is not the easiest path to take. Uh, you know, you're you're doing several things. You know, you're putting yourself out there with with your art, whether that's your as a writer or as an actor. You know, you're constantly putting yourself out there. Uh, and you, uh, you know, you're being judged so often. It's it's a very difficult thing, uh, to be judged like that. Um, so you, you know, what you got to be able to do is, is be able to weather the storm when you're having a tough time when you're not getting roles, when you're auditioning and not getting roles or you're writing plays and people aren't accepting them, uh, for productions. You know, you still have to stay the course. You have to overcome the difficulties of it and just connect to the beauty of the work. Um, and if you've got the talent and you can persevere through the tough times, you're going to find yourself on the other side of that and uh, being quite successful. So, uh, you know, it's not an easy, not an easy thing being an artist. Uh, but, you know, if you really believe in yourself and you've got talent, you've got to find a way to persevere and create opportunities for yourself. Um, and if you can do that, you'll come out the other side. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Brian Long. Break a leg. All right. Thank you so much, E.W. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. 
my coffee beans Checking out the movies and the magazines The waitress, she watches me Crossing from the Barracoba
Mike Pence joins the Navy. I had that dream again, Mother. I'm on a beach. I'm wearing a modest onesie, slathered in sunscreen to protect my pale skin, and I'm building sand chapels. Up in the azure sky, I spot a large gull, and it's flapping its wings and flying right towards me. As he gets closer, I see that the gull has the handsome face of a man. The man-gull lands right in front of me, sending sand into my eyes. He stares at me, his nose-beak inches from my face. I wake up, tears streaming down my cheeks. What does it mean, Mother? Well, Mother, I'm heading to New York City, that den of vice and incorrect thought. I'll be careful, Mother. The devil sets snares on Broadway, as Grandpa used to say. It's Fleet Week, so the dirty streets will be filled with sailors in their clean, tight, white uniforms. I'll be safe with those sailors, Mother. And wouldn't you know it, Mother, as soon as I got off the train at Penn Station, I met a sailor. His name was Cookie, and he was a strapping young man with a dazzling smile and bright blue eyes, his cap set at a jaunty angle. He said he was a cook in the galley of the USS Lupone, a warship I admit I was not familiar with. He was on shore leave, like those dancing sailors in On the Town. He planned to make the most of his time in the city, and he asked me if I would like to tag along. Well, I couldn't refuse a serviceman. So off we went. Oh, what a whirlwind of a day, Mother. We stood in a long line for fancy cupcakes. We scurried among the famous wax figures at Madame Tussaud's. We caught a matinee of kinky boots. I'm sorry, Mother. The subject was indeed degenerate, as Pastor Willie warned us one Sunday from the pulpit. But the tunes, oh, the tunes, Mother, they set my toes to tapping. And at the curtain call, as I stood cheering, Cookie leaned over and whispered to me, Well, Mary... Shall we dance? That cookie is such a scamp. Cookie and I skipped down Broadway, and we ended up in a strange dark place, a basement illuminated only by the light of a glittering ball in the ceiling. I met Cookie's friends, a cowboy, a construction worker, a sturdy fellow dressed head to toe in leather, imagine, mother, and a noble Native American. What an odd but merry crew they were, Mother. But I soon discovered that Cookie wasn't a sailor at all. He manned a falafel stand in Union Square. I was shocked and disappointed at first, but I couldn't stay mad at the charismatic Cookie, especially when he led me to the dance floor. The pulsating beat of the music, the men in their sweaty, tight T-shirts, the poppers, Mother, the poppers! I was as giddy and as nimble as when I played Reno Sweeney in our grade school production of Anything Goes. I was flying, Mother. I was flying. Night turned to dawn, and the dance floor cleared. We said a wistful goodbye to our companions, and Cookie and I walked hand in hand down the deserted early morning streets of that wicked yet fabulous city. I've been a bad boy, Mother. 
and I stand at the bottom of the stairs, awaiting your fearsome judgment. Will it be the ping-pong paddle, the belt from your powder-blue pantsuit, or perhaps your bare, rough hand? Whatever implement you choose for my well-deserved spanking, make it sting, mother. Make it sting.
Park awaits our arrival, making a commitment to sharing life, holding each other and raising these children up too, despite the multitude of challenges we chase. I love being here with you in this confusing place, looking at that beautiful face. There you have it, episode 282 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, 
the wonderful manager of artists, an artist, of course, himself, Brian Long. We like to thank our associate producer and resident essayist, Dr. Michael Pavis, and these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Delfeo Ellis, and Jason Marsalis, Elbow, Dire Straits, Petty Lapone, Queen, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. Until next month, let's enjoy August, why don't we? We here at Troubadours and Rock On Tours traditionally take off the month of August to retool, rejuvenate, and prepare for the next season of episodes. We will, though, be sharing with you encore broadcasts of some of our best from the 2017-2018 season, featuring the great Bob DeRoe, Pulitzer Prize winner Martina Mayok, the wonderful songstress and activist Nellie Mackay, as well as essayist, cartoonist extraordinaire, Timothy Kreider. I look forward to being back with you in September. Thanks for listening.